Welcome to the Sermon Podcast of First Christian Church of St. Paul, located in Roseville, Minnesota. We are a congregation of Christian Church, Disciples of Christ, a congregation that is united in Christ for the sake of the world. Join us for worship in person or via our live stream Sundays at 11 a.m. You can learn more about us by going to FCCStPaul.org. Here is this week's sermon. Our text this morning comes from Isaiah 9, verses 1 through 4, and then Matthew 4, verses 12 through 23, and you can follow along in your bulletin. And we'll read first from Isaiah. But there will be no gloom for those who were in anguish. In the former time, he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the latter time, he will make glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who lived in a land of deep darkness, of them, on them light has shined. You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at harvest as people exult when dividing plunder. For the yoke of their burden, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. And now from Matthew 4, 12-23. Now when Jesus heard that John had been arrested, he withdrew to Galilee. He left Nazareth and made his home in Capernaum by the sea in the territory of Zebulun and Naphtali so that what had been spoken through the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. Land of Zebulun, land of Naphtali, on the road by the sea across the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. The people who sat in darkness have seen a great light. For those who sat in the region and shadow of death, light has dawned. From that time, Jesus began to proclaim, repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. As he walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called, called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fish for people. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. As he went from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, in the boat with their father Zebedee, mending their nets. And he called them. Immediately they left the boat and their father, and followed him. Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and curing every disease and every sickness among the people. This is the word of God for all the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. I think in these days, it is really, really 
sometimes hard to be part of a congregation. Just from the point of being a pastor, I will say at times it can be discouraging. It can be put, feel pointless. Part of that problem is, of course, the one that we've talked about before and the one that everyone knows, COVID. Not meeting in person for over a year is gonna accelerate problems that were already happening. The American Enterprise Institute has done a survey that has garnered a ton of media coverage. And it showed how the pandemic in some ways has precipitated a steep decline in church attendance. There is now, according to the survey, about a third of those who are surveyed no longer attend religious services at all. And I've talked with people in other congregations. Actually, I've talked to people in this congregation with, that we share worship space with, Roseville Lutheran. They're all experiencing the same problems. Congregations that were, and also, there are congregations out there that were kind of marginal, and COVID happened, and that basically undid everything. And as I said, we face those problems here as well. And I've said before, we have lost people. And actually, one could say we've actually lost a building because of the fallout from COVID. The leader of that survey, the person that headed up that survey from the American Enterprise Institute, Dan Cox, is actually really worried. He's worried that we're kind of becoming religiously polarized, as if we're not polarized enough and that that polarization is going to be between those who are religious and those who aren't. He says this, we're going to quickly come to a place where a good chunk of the country is not only, not only going to have different views about religion and different religious experiences, they're not going to be able to relate to each other in any real way. That is the context that we are living in. And in reading the text today in Matthew and in Isaiah, the texts seem familiar. In our gospel, we are kind of talking about John, it opens up basically with Jesus hearing some bad news. His cousin John has been arrested, John the Baptist. He was arrested by King Herod, the puppet king of Israel, installed by the Roman Empire. The passage, especially these opening passages, is our reminder that Jesus lived in challenging times. He lived under a government that could be quite oppressive. And John ended up paying the ultimate price for calling the king to account for injustice he lost his life. So Jesus is going away from Nazareth to Galilee, to the territory of Zebulun and Naphtali. Now, those two words don't seem to make much sense, but actually it's important to know that those two are actually names. They're the names of two of Jacob's sons. And for those who don't know, 
they were two of 12 of Jacob's sons, which represented the 12 tribes of Israel. So there is some sense of what that, the reason why that those names are listed. And we learn from Matthew, and Matthew actually is writing this to an audience that is Jewish, so they understand some of these things. He writes it in a way to say that this is to fulfill scripture. And it harkens back to that passage that I just read in Isaiah. The region in that time, in Isaiah, was living in darkness because it was under the control of the Assyrians, a rival empire. And the, the passage was saying that there was going to be hope, even in this very dark time. And so now, in Matthew, the region is again occupied by a foreign power, this time Rome. And the scripture is telling us that this new light has dawned, and the new light is Jesus. And this new light now is beginning to share that, to spread the light around. This is where we see Jesus is walking by the seashore, and he calls his first disciples. He calls two sets of brothers, Peter and Andrew, and then James and John. And the, these, these were fishermen. Now, something you should know. The fishermen, they were fishermen not, probably not just for themselves. They were probably also under contract by the government because a government and an empire and a nation has to eat. So they were under contract to you know, get fish fish that would go to market and would feed the people. So in this case, Jesus is telling them, you're not going to do that anymore. I'm asking you, instead of fishing for fish, it's to fish for people. So they leave all of that behind and follow Jesus. And the passage is interesting because it uses the word immediately. Actually, it uses it twice. They wanted to get the point across. They left everything to follow Jesus. And what they left, they, it, they using that word is trying to tell you how important it was they were leaving everything that they had behind. Their profession, and their family, everything. Now, one podcast I was listening, and I always listen to a few of the uh, podcasts to prepare for this Sunday, says that we always want to focus on what the disciples lost. So that they lost, they gave up their fishing, they, gave, they left behind their family. But we forget what they gained. And they did gain something. Paul, writing later on, and he's writing this in Philippians from a jail cell, has said that every good thing that he had had in his life, his title, his family, everything, he counted it as rubbish for the glory of Christ. 
actually, he didn't say rubbish. It was probably a word that I cannot say here in Sunday worship. But the point is the same. He lost things, but he didn't consider them so important. What he gained was Jesus. Now, this congregation is in what I, what I have heard called a season of low tide. We are living in some ways, and I think sometimes our culture, in the land of Zebulun and Naphtali, where things seem dark, where there is seemingly death. And yet, there is life. There is life that comes from the gospel, that is Jesus Christ. And I believe that if we have that light, the light of Christ, we can't lose. But the question is, how do we as a community live in this time? How do we live in a time when it seems hopeless and when it seems really when the tide has gone out? A friend of mine, uh, fellow disciple pastor Doug Skinner loves to share readings that he has read over the years and he shared this one this past week and I had to tell him to be honest that I was going to steal this for Sunday worship and he shared this quote it's a quote from a pastor Martin Lloyd-Jones he is the pastor of Westminster Chapel in London and he wrote this actually back in the 80s and it's important to know, of course, in the UK and in um, Europe, if you're kind of talking about churches and what the challenges they're facing, they have faced those challenges actually decades before we have. And he shared something about what it means to be church in a very challenging time. And this is what he says. If you look back across the history of the Christian church, you immediately find that the story of the church has not been a straight line a level record of achievement. The history of the church has been a history of ups and downs. And when you read the history of the past, there have been periods in the history of the church when she has been full of life and vigor and power. And when you read those tremendous periods of life and vigor, what you notice is that these glorious periods of revival and of reawakening have often followed periods of great drought, great dreadness, deadness, apathy and lifelessness in the history of the church. In every case, as you find these great peaks, you will find the troughs. You will see that the church has many times been as she is today, counting so little in the life of the world and society, so lacking in life and vigor and power and witness and all that accompanies it. You will find that that has happened many and many a times before. There have been de the same desperate, urgent need as confront us today. And then, after that, has come this mighty uplift, this outpouring of the Spirit of God. And my friend, uh, Doug Skinner, describes in his own words how we as a church should live in this time. And this is what he says. Of course, I would welcome a fresh move of the Spirit of God blowing through the corridors of the churches I know and love and the denomination of which they are part, stirring us from decline to growth, from fear to faith, from apprehension to anticipation. 
But I know we don't control the times and seasons which the Father has fixed by his own authority. But this doesn't mean that there is nothing for us to do. We can pray, we can preach, we can break bread and bless the cup of remembrance, promise, and presence. We can gather with the faithful remnant to witness and to serve. And because I know that the darkness will not overcome the light, that the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church, and, it, and that Christ is building, I will not lose heart. So even in this time, in this period, when fewer and fewer people are coming to church, we are still called to be fishers of people. The call still remains, even if the times have changed. There are still those little sparks of light that are happening all around us. Sparks where we see God at work. I said earlier that we have lost people, but we've also gained people, both in person and online. And as a friend noted this week, as we were having coffee, there are people in our community that are hungry for a place like this, that can be a place, a small community that is diverse, that is inclusive, and that is seeking to live out the gospel both in word and in deed. So even as we exist and live in this land of Zebulun and Naphtali, we will continue to gather as church where the good news of Jesus is preached, where we break bread, where we drink from the cup, where we pray for each other and for the world and where we serve our sisters and our brothers. In this time of the low tide, we continue to be faithful because the people who are living in darkness have seen a great light. Thanks be to God. Amen. We hope this week's sermon was nourishment for your soul. If you would like to listen to past sermons, watch past worship services, leave a prayer request, or get directions to our worship location, please visit our website at fccstpaul.org. May God be with you on your daily journey.